Baskin and Robbins is an ice cream shop that has 31 amazing flavors. But what does that have to do with Ronald Reagan, Hillary Clinton, and creating change in your classrooms? Hey, this is Matt, and you're listening to the Mafost Mashup. Hey, thank you for joining me here today. I'm so thankful and deeply humbled that you're spending this time with me. Today's episode, season three, episode three, we're talking about why change is difficult to create in the classroom. And I'd like to bring to you some solutions for that. So let's jump right into it. Good evening. I'm speaking to you tonight to give you a report on the state of our nation's economy. I regret to say that we're in the worst economic mess since the Great Depression. State leaders and presidents are notorious, or should I say, elected, because they understand the problem of a crisis. Crises unite people. They provide reason to have action. They are the impetus for change. Ronald Reagan had runaway inflation, the crisis of inflation. It gave him the reason to implement financial changes. Kennedy had a race to the moon. FDR had the Great Depression. And you can probably remember the recent crises that modern presidents have told us. A crisis can create urgency for change. But do we want to create and tell the stories of a crisis in our schools? Probably not. So I'd like to share with you a few reasons that change is difficult in our classrooms and provide, other than a crisis, reasons and solutions for change. The problem of Baskin and Robbins. Where I'm from, there's an ice cream shop called Baskin and Robbins. It's a wonderful place. Um, but like most ice cream shops, it has, I believe it's 31 flavors, too many flavors. And additionally, they allow you to taste before you buy. So to compound the difficulty of making the decision, they let you taste all of the flavors and they just all taste so great. It's like, if I choose this one, what else am I missing out on? It's the problem of too many choices. Whereas we think of choices as bringing happiness and freedom, actually, there's study after study that shows too many choices brings lesser happiness. It creates tension and stress. Second, there's the problem of ideals. People, teachers especially, work towards ideals. They don't clock in and out to run a machine they work towards creating an ideal, an ideal class climate, an ideal approach to learning their subject matter, an ideal project, an ideal lesson. The problem is their ideals might not match your expectations for change. And they know if they forsake their ideals and do something else that they're being asked to do, they'll lose their passion. And remember, they didn't sign up 
to be a teacher because of the promise for tremendous commission bonuses or exciting business trips. They signed up because of their passion. It's a strength, but it's also a reason you can't create change in the classroom. And finally, there's the problem of memory. Do you remember, no pun intended, the time when Secretary Hillary Clinton went overseas uh, to a war-torn area, and when she returned back from the trip, she stated something to the fact that when she got off the plane or the helicopter, there was sniper fire and they had to duck and run for cover. And then when this was investigated and looked into, we found out, no, actually, there was a grand greeting with red carpet, like there should be for a secretary of state. We're beginning with a follow-up to a story Cheryl Atkinson reported here last night. She showed us video that directly contradicted Hillary Clinton's account of the danger she faced on a 1996 visit to Bosnia. Since our broadcast, that video... Not only was this incident horribly embarrassing and undermined a lot of trust for her, it represents something that's true about memory. And that is, our memory is plastic. What you put into your memory, whether it was true or not when it happened, once you put it in there and tell the story of it, we have a tendency to believe it. And this is a problem of our memory. There's a great discussion in contemporary philosophy that's called psychological continuity theory. To best of my understanding, this essentially means that who we are and who we identify as is a result of our present combined with our past. And oftentimes, the past that we think of is not the past that really happened. And our identity in the current is the result of a narrative that we tell ourselves. The difficulty of creating change, then, is putting a narrative of whatever the changes we want to happen into the present and helping our teachers create identities of the change we want. In other words, our memory gets in the way of change. Have you ever heard a teacher say, well, I've taught for 20 years and this is how, or have you heard a teacher say, well, when I was in college, they told me. So let's back up and get out of the muddiness of the problems. And let's talk about some solutions. The first one is the solution of a script. Of course, I'm not talking about a script whereby teachers have every word rotely written for them, but a script that limits the choices from which change can be made. Here's a few examples. How about a script for the instructional strategies to be used? You can think of many sets of strategies. A few that come to mind would be Mike Laird and Sean Kane's Fundamental five. Uh, this is a script from which we should see best practices evolve. Or we all know about Marzano's uh, nine high yield strategies. This is another script from which we can pull change strategies. So having a script that limits the choices from which leaders can create change and from which teachers can innovate change creates a common ground and destroys the Baskin and Robbins problem. But what about the problems of memory and the problems of ideals? 
Next is the solution of buy-in. And frankly, this is a failed approach to creating change. Buy-in is a subtle form of manipulation. It's where we disregard the human factor and say, I want your input. Though what we really mean is, I want you to feel like you're involved and then you'll buy into the ideas I'm trying to sell you. If we try buy-in, it cheapens our role as leaders into salesmanship. And of course, that's not the ideal recipe for lasting change to occur. Well, the solution of buy-in doesn't get us anywhere. So what other solutions are there for the problem of ideals and memory? So what then is the answer? Well, before I get to the answer to the failed approach of buy-in, let me talk about queuing. This solves the memory problem. Queuing is simply giving reminders on a frequent basis. This is not the same thing as sending emails about what you want to see happen as far as change is concerned. This is not simply having a monthly meeting where you talk about the change. All of those things are important forms of repetition and communication. Queuing is about using formative classroom visits to cue teachers about your expectations. It's not evaluation. It's not formal documentation. Has nothing to do with HR or personnel. Queuing is about frequently walking into classrooms for short periods of time, giving positive, corrective, or reflective feedback and reminding teachers about expectations. Very simple, high-yield strategy for shifting change and solving the problem associated with memory. So let's get back to the problem or the failed solution of buy-in. Buy-in is the cause for pendulum swings and everyone in education from top to bottom, left to right, is tired of the fleeting success that accompanies the non-strategic abandonment of great ideas for other great ideas. We can't even inch our way into improvement with positive change by constantly redefining our organizations. In business, we refer to this as quarterly hype. At some point, schools and districts must define who they are and commit. We discussed this in the previous episode about the clarity of purpose and commitment really is the opposite of buy-in. Commitment creates lasting success. And here are five ways that you can use commitment as a method for empowering your staff and creating change in classrooms. First, commitment requires educational leaders to involve staff and communities. Without involvement, there's no commitment. And involvement allows people to shape the processes of the school, to shape the change itself so that solutions are natural. Number two, commitment allows shared experience. And shared experience is shared knowledge. It's the foundation of committed teams. It's the opposite of isolated expertise. Leaders who facilitate the systems for improvement 
they don't provide the magic bullets. They don't provide the solutions at the campus level. Teachers are not merely sought after for input for change. Instead of truncating their involvement by giving input, what they're actually sought after for is shared learning towards goals and shared vision. Number three, commitment destroys the need for buy-in. As a result, the educational leader doesn't have to sell anyone on an idea. There's no salesmanship on the change. Instead, the leader facilitates the system, the process, or the environment in which people are involved. Their involvement creates the solutions to problems. Their involvement creates the change which they become intimately and uniquely knowledgeable about. The change becomes their own ideal. Number four, commitment is a result of creativity. It's energizing to be involved in the creative problem-solving process. When I create the solution, I'm committed to it. Number five, commitment does not go away with time. Commitment says, I'm going to work at this until it succeeds because it's mine. I'm not going to abandon this idea or process. I'm going to see to it that it's successful. Buy-in creates abandonment. Commitment creates success. Commitment changes the culture. If we cannot address school culture by empowering our people, we cannot drastically improve. Wow, I hope you enjoyed this episode about the problems of creating change and the solutions offered for creating that change. If you'd like more information on formative classroom visits, it was the basis for my graduate research. I have it available at mavfost.com slash mashup. Find today's episode and you'll get the link to the research and all of the background. I would love to hear your thoughts. As always, your questions, your ideas, we can discuss them on the podcast. Leave a comment for me at mafos.com slash pod. M-A-F-O-S-T dot com slash P-O-D. As always, I'm very thankful for you listening. And I only ask one thing. You can help the podcast out if you find one friend, one colleague, and pass it along. Now let's go out and make an impact.